Welcome to the Heart of Rescue with NMDR podcast. National Mill Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome discarded breeding dogs. And we are able to do this because of support from listeners like you. Each episode, we will highlight some of our background, share heartwarming stories about rescue and the lives of the dogs and humans that we've been able to impact. Plus, you can hear from members of our team and the founder of National Mill Dog Rescue, Teresa Strader. We hope you enjoy this episode. Everyone who's listening knows Glenn. He's amazing. He's part of our rehab team. He heads it up and makes sure that all of our pups are just becoming the happy little dogs that they were always meant to be. And one of the things that we've been chatting about and what a lot of people ask about is house training. And I think it's something that people just kind of assume if it's not a puppy, they'll be house trained. And with our dogs, we know they're unique in so many ways, but Glenn, I would love to hear some tips from the expert that we can share on how to how to properly house train, you know, what you've seen, what works, and uh, get your advice on that. Thanks, Morgana. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. It's a really common problem. And when you bring any dog home, it's gonna be a potential issue to address. With uh, with mill dogs, especially, mill, uh, you know, mill, mill survivors, they don't have a history, like say, for example, if you were to adopt an adult dog from, uh, just any shelter where that dog may have been in a home before, then you may have a decent chance of that dog being house trained. And uh, and by the way, I just want to mention, I'm not a fan of the term house broken. And I know this is semantics, but um, I just kind of feel like house trained is a much more humane sounding um, concept. And so that's why I'm really careful to use it. I guess, you know, in, in the end, it may not make a huge difference, but I do feel like kind of like words matter. And we're talking about living things here. And so house training is my preferred term. I think that's very smart. And I love um, how intentional you are. You're very intentional with your wording. And I think that's huge. It makes such a difference. Well, thank you. Yeah, I try to be. What I'll say first is that uh, the approach to house training is going to be pretty much the same, no matter which dog you're talking about. And that includes puppies and adults, um, and it, it includes wherever you get your dog from. Now, as I mentioned, if you adopt an adult dog that's been in a home before, then there is a chance that that dog might be house trained. If you adopt a puppy, obviously, that puppy is gonna need house training. If you adopt a, a puppy mill survivor, then it's usually the case that there's going to be some house training required there as well. So it's especially relevant to us because these, um, these, these dogs that come from commercial breeding facilities have been in cages for most of their lives in most cases. You know, and, and there is the fact that in many of these situations, the commercial breeding facilities, they don't even take them out of the cages to let them potty. They have wire, they often have wire floors to the cages so that they, the, the dogs just poop and pee and it just passes through and they spend their entire lives in that deplorable condition. And so certainly they're not gonna be house trained. It, it almost always requires work with our dogs. The good news is that most dogs naturally won't wanna soil the areas that they sleep. Most dogs have, a, have a, a, an instinctive tendency not to want to soil the areas where they, where they live and sleep. And we actually do see this with some of the dogs that live in kennels that have 
sort of the two sides that are separated by the guillotine door <clears throat> that you'll see in a lot of the videos that we have on our Facebook page where the dogs will use one area of the kennel as a potty area and another kennel as a, as a living area, sleeping and eating, etc. And that's really lucky. Now that doesn't mean when a dog gets home, they're gonna know that indoors means living area and outdoors means potty area. Uh, they're gonna have a lot more space in a house. And so they may just decide that it's okay to go over there in the corner in the living room. So what we need to do is to, to teach them the proper way, the proper places to potty and um, the places where we prefer that they don't. Again, whether you're dealing with a puppy or an adult dog, the approach is gonna be the same. What we want to do is reinforce them pottying outside and do our best to really pay attention to what's going on with the dogs. And that's a very, very important aspect of this. You have to have very good observation skills and you have to commit to, to watching the dog. And then you want to be very consistent about getting the dog outside as frequently as possible, because that's a really big part of it. What we want to do is prevent accidents from, from happening. That is indoor accidents from happening. One thing you can do is when you're not watching the dog, you want to confine the dog. Um, you want to keep the dog in a crate or an exercise pen. Preferably, it'll be small enough that they won't want to go in there. It'll be it has to be big enough. Any crate, uh, appropriately sized crate for a dog, will let them stand up and turn around comfortably. An appropriately sized crate will also be small enough that the dog won't want to potty in there because they, you know, they, they, as I say, will instinctively often not want to soil their sleeping area. Now, it's also not a good idea to crate. Uh, well, I don't think it's a good idea to create any dog for more than say six hours at a time. With some of our dogs, that may be less, depending on uh, their emotional responses. And, they, and some of the, some of our dogs may not want to be in a crate at all. They may be afraid of it. And if that's the case, then we have to figure out something else, which is when an exercise pen, which is sort of like a, a folding play pen for dogs, might come in handy. Uh, it's, a, it's a slightly less uh, sort of claustrophobic way to, to confine a dog. With that, you may even set it up with potty pads in the exercise pens that the dog, if you know they need a slightly larger area so as not to feel claustrophobic, they, they have a place to go where it won't be um, you know a nuisance to clean it up. You wanna keep them in that area, uh, in the crate or in the X-Pen or in some confined area where um, hopefully they won't go or if they do go, that it will be easy to clean up and uh but then get them outside frequently you want to try to prevent inside accidents and how frequently that is uh really depends on the dog for some puppies boy when they're young it might be every it could be every say you know 15 to 20 minutes in some cases and that's really really frequent i know but fortunately some puppies well most puppies sleep uh, a lot they sleep you know upwards of 20 hours a day. And so it really is only a matter of watching them for those few hours when they're actually awake and likely to need to potty. You don't want to give them the run of the house because if you do that, and this goes for any dog, if you do that, then they'll find places to go indoors. The other thing is watch their behavior while you are watching them. And if you notice them starting to sniff around sort of as a precursor to possibly peeing or pooping, then that's a good time to get them outside. And then, and so get them outside frequently enough that we're, that we're preventing accidents. And uh, it's not going to be 15 to 20 minutes for most dogs. I mean, I'd say that um, a lot of adult dogs would be able to go for 45 minutes an hour safely without having to go. But again, it is a, it's an individual thing with dogs and it's something it's better to go err on the, on the more frequent side than it is not to obviously so that we can prevent accidents. And I know that sounds super inconvenient, but you know, well, 
I think dog people understand that inconvenience is, is just part of life and it's part of the cost we pay for the love that we get. And it's only a, a really an investment of a week or two uh, of this sort of high maintenance regimen. And then you've got a lifetime of potty trained dog and uh, you can enjoy, you and your dog can enjoy your lives together without worrying about it. So when you get them outside and they potty successfully, what you need to do is make sure that as soon as they're finished on the spot, don't wait for them to come back inside. Right away, as soon as they're done on the spot, lots of praise and lots of really high value treats. Now, what this is going to teach the dog is that, hey, when I go outside, when I potty outside, uh, something really, really great happens. And so I think I'd really prefer to potty outside. And the point to that is that the dogs will actually wait and, you know, and, and hold it so that they can go outside so as to get that reward. Now, are you going to need to give that reward forever? No, but it's really important to be very consistent about it and give it every time during house training. And then you can sort of taper it off over time. Um, you know, and make it more intermittent as, you know, as the behavior, after the behavior is completely reliable and they're really not having accidents at all, you can start to taper that off, but don't cut it off suddenly. That's an, that's an important thing. You want to kind of taper it off and even keep your um, rewards kind of randomly interspersed uh, after, after a house training is successful and they're not having any accidents so that they're always kind of wondering if this will be the time that I get my treat and that'll actually make the, the house training stronger and then eventually you won't need to reward them at all but you know what i still reward my dogs even you know at, at ages eight and ten for for pottying outside once in a while it doesn't hurt there's no reason not to and it reminds them that that's a good thing to do when there are accidents inside and of course that's going to happen it's really important to keep your cool it doesn't do anybody any good to to get upset the last thing you want to do is punish the dog or yell at the dog or anything that'll be scary or um, unpleasant for the dog for accidents indoors, mostly because if it's not immediately after the accident, they're not going to even know why you're scolding them or punishing them. And that can actually lead to what's called reverse house training. The dog you know, might associate the, the, the mess with being scolded or whatever and not want to potty in front of you at all, including outdoors. And then you're really stuck and you have a lot more work to do. They'll potty in like closets and stuff, right? Like they'll purposely yep. they'll, hide from you. They'll wait until they yeah, they'll wait until they have a chance away from you. That's right. They'll they'll find secret places to go. That's so, horrible. <laughs> Trying to search out potty places in the house. I, I that would be so it's, hard. It's not pleasant for anyone. Mm -hmm. And uh and actually, and, and on that topic too, you know, again, it is really important to, to, to monitor dogs very, very closely while they're awake and while they're active during the day uh, and to keep them confined to areas where if they do happen to potty, it doesn't matter. So you want to keep your closet doors closed, your bedroom doors closed, that kind of stuff. And even better, just really keep a close eye on, on the dog. Uh, it, it can even involve maybe closing the dog into the room with you or in some cases, even tethering the dog to you so that that they kind of just hang out near you. And if they get up and want to move, then you know that they might have to go and you can take them outside. For me, the, the, the science stands up and using anything that, that's unpleasant for the dog, and that can include scolding or yelling or, or speaking in an intimidating tone or anything is, not a, is never a good thing to do with any dog. It doesn't, it's not necessary. And uh, positive reinforcement works much, much better. Um, now that's especially important with our mill dogs because in addition to being not house trained and having medical conditions and being in deplorable grooming condition, many of them, as we've discussed so much, have 
some emotional issues and they're already scared. And the last thing we want to do is scare them even more. I always say that it's it's never a good idea to say no to a dog. Uh, instead of finding, instead of saying no, find a way to say yes. That's the way I phrase it. And whenever a dog is doing something rude or un, undesired, then the best thing to do is to teach them to do something else instead, which is exactly what we're doing here. We're teaching the dogs that they'll want to potty outside. And like so much, so many other successful stories in dog training, we're teaching the dog to want to do what we want them to do. It's, it's just so much more effective than trying to punish them for doing things we don't want them to do. And again, any kind of stress on the dog, you know, our, our puppy mule dogs is going to make life more difficult for everyone because it'll take you in the wrong direction. Uh, it'll take the dog in the direction of possibly being even afraid of his or her adopter, and we don't want that. So the best thing to do is just to kind of be cool about it, get the dog outside, and hopefully they'll potty, you know, if you catch them just about to do it or in the act, gently, you know, uh, and calmly get them outside. And if they, if they go outside again, just stick with the plan and reward them and give them gentle praise and then clean up the mess with a, a, an enzymatic cleaner. Uh, there's a bunch of brands out there that's, that uh, make enzymatic cleaners that contain special enzymes that break down the compounds in urine and feces that eliminate the smell to the best degree possible and make it less likely the dog will potty in that spot again. And then just get back to the program where you're getting them outside and rewarding them outside. The emotional condition of, of puppy mill survivors does add more than just a little bit of a wrinkle this way. Now, it wouldn't be a, an end of the air podcast without some dogs barking in the background. <laughs> right. uh, many, if not most of our puppy mill survivors do need some help emotionally. And that's, that's what draws a lot of our adopters to these dogs because they do uh, need special help that in some cases only people like our adopters can provide. Um, with the experience and or empathy that, that our adopters have. You know, that's in many ways, that's what draws them to our puppy mill survivors because they really want to help. The special things to consider about um, the mill dogs are that if you, have a, if you adopt a fearful dog, it might be hard to get them outside in the first place. Many of our dogs, you know, don't want to be touched or picked up. And we work on that certainly while the dogs are at NMDR. But for the dogs that are severe behavior cases, we teach the adopters how to pick the dogs up if they are fearful. It's not something we encourage uh, on a frequent basis, but only for when it's necessary. But if the dog is afraid to move, say for example, out of um, a room or a crate, and some of our dogs are severely fearful like that, then it's necessary to pick them up to take them outside. You are actually putting the dog through something scary before taking them outside, and they may not even want to take treats then. It can get a little a little dicey that way. And in a lot of cases for dogs like these, what helps a lot is another dog to show them, to help them in, in many ways, in, in many ways to help them boost their confidence, but also because you know dogs are social creatures. So many of our dogs, despite the fact that they're afraid of so many things, really do like other dogs and will follow their lead, at least um, in terms of moving around sometimes. And so it can really help a lot to have a, another dog. In fact, we require that for many of our dogs uh, that, that adopt, have another more confident dog that can show them the ropes. And that way, uh, especially if a dog, if one of our dogs is not leash trained and, or again, doesn't want to be touched or picked up, 
they can uh, follow that that other dog or dogs outside. Even once they get outside, some of these fearful dogs, they may still be fearful or anxious enough that uh, they don't want to take the treats from you after they potty. And so it, it's still really important to offer them to the dogs because over time, they are going to adjust to their environment and start to feel more comfortable. And as dogs start to feel more comfortable, they'll be much more likely to take treats. Keep it up and be consistent. And in a lot of these cases, cases like I'm discussing here with the, the very fearful dogs that have trouble uh, interacting with the adopter at first and or taking treats um, or even moving around and getting outside, then obviously the house training is going to be a, a longer time commitment. And it could take instead of a couple of weeks, it could take a couple of months or even more. And if that's the case, obviously, that's something we are careful to communicate to our adopters when they adopt the dog. In that case, you'd want to, again, set up a special area for the dog where there were potty pads. And if they do go indoors, then at least it's easy to clean up. I mean, I love all those tips. And there are things that I kind of knew when I got Delilah, but I, I was not perfect about it. But really, in the big scheme of things, if your dog poops or pees in the house, it's not the end of the world, you know? So that's something like, I'm a very clean person. <laughs> and when I was very nervous about Delilah, you know, pottying all over my house, but really it happens a couple of times. And sometimes when she gets stressed out, we've talked about this before, she still, you know, will poop in the house. I, but I understand it's a stress mechanism. It's not her uh, being bad. And really, if you don't pay attention to it and you don't make it a big deal, it's really not a big deal. Get some good cleaners and your carpet's good as new. Like it's such a small thing. I'm so glad you, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And we're gonna, I'm, I mean, I've often joked that my ideal home that I'll have someday is gonna be walls, floors, ceilings are all gonna be stainless steel and they're all gonna drain like, like down into drains. And, like, <laughs> and then I'll just have like pressure washers or hoses and I can just hose everything down and It'll be really easy to clean. You know, the other joke is that, boy, you know, when you have a dog, you can't have nice things. While that's not entirely true, I do think that it's very important to adjust your expectations. A dog is not like a, an accessory or a piece of furniture. A dog is a living thing and he or she is gonna need to do things like potty. And I agree, it's, not a, it's really not a big deal if a dog potties in the house. Um, and I would love for everyone to feel that way. And I, I, I think that a lot of people that adopt our mill dogs would agree with that and are extremely patient. They have to be by nature in order to be successful with our dogs. But there's varying degrees of that, of course. I love, love, love that concept. And I'd love to be able to say that to everybody. I just don't know if it's absolutely true for everyone. We do, so we'll, we'll just continue to do our best to, to, to make sure that we properly set our adopters' expectations. But for the most part, especially with our experienced adopters that have been through this with uh, with mill dogs before, yeah, they would agree with us on that one too. It is uh, helpful, as I say, to confine the dog uh, to an area where you know it's gonna be okay if they go, but you're absolutely right. I heard a great uh, analogy one, one time that uh, said, and this is beyond house, house training, it's just about keeping your house clean. Trying to keep your house clean when you have dogs is like trying to brush your teeth while you're eating Oreos. <laughs> That's very good. Yes, yes, it's very apt. It'd be great if everybody could kind of see it that way. And, and uh, yeah, it's not a big deal if they go inside and, and be prepared for that. Be prepared for the, the, the eventuality that they will go inside. And uh, as they say, keep an eye on them, keep a, you know, closely observe them, get them outside to preempt accidents. 
And when you can't do any of that, either confine them to an area where they won't uh, potty or where if they do, it's not that big of a deal. Now, the last thing I'll, I'll mention is that there are some dogs that have been so traumatized <clears throat> over the course of their lives that they will poop in a crate, even if it's an appropriate size. They will, they will soil their own sleeping area. And that uh, lack of sort of natural instinct for cleanliness, it can make house training extremely, extremely difficult. And so uh, in that case, obviously it's a, not a good idea to confine the dog to a crate because they're just gonna get themselves all messy. And instead to use a, a more, a, a slightly larger area with some potty pads. I've also had a lot of people ask me, how can I encourage my dog to go on the potty pads? or to go in a certain, even in a certain area of my yard. You know, one of the reasons that dogs tend to go in a, in a certain spot is because they smell something there and they get used to using that spot. I will also say that I've, I've noticed in a lot of cases that dogs tend not to want to poop right out in the middle of, of the yard. They'll often want to poop like at the edge of the yards, near some bushes. Uh, it's I don't think that they are exactly looking for privacy, but uh, I do think that in a lot of cases, they they may instinctively not want to make it super obvious that they've been there, you know, because that's just a, an instinct that they have to kind of protect themselves and cover their tracks when from when they were wild animals. What I suggest in that case is taking a used potty pad and putting it in a place where you want them to go. But establishing with scent an area where you want the dogs to go can be helpful both if you are having them use potty pads indoors or if you're um, if you're trying to encourage them to go in a certain spot out in your yard. So that's a really, really important part of it. You know, whereas the smell of the urine and the feces can be our enemy when we want to clean up, uh, it can also be much, you know, used, used to our benefit when we're trying to get the dog to go in a localized area. That's very interesting. Yeah. Good to know. Um, yeah. And so one last thing I should mention is that house training is house training, no matter what the, the type of, of uh, elimination is, peeing or pooping. And that also goes for marking too. Both male and female dogs mark. Males, males do it much more frequently, but because we've scrambled dogs' genetics code, genetic, genetic codes so much by, by you know inbreeding them and everything to get the specific breeds, they have all kinds of strange uh, instincts that they would never have in the wild. And so female dogs often lift their legs and they'll mark too. It's no different. Any kind of elimination is simply just, it, it, it's just that, it's elimination. And so there's really no difference to the approach that you would take, whether it's kind of pottying out of utility or pottying because of marking. The marking could be higher maintenance because you'll have to watch the dog more carefully. They're more likely to do it more frequently. So again, good observation skills, be prepared, be ready with those treats to reward and, and give praise when you're outside and the dog potties, keeping a close eye on them when they're inside and not giving them opportunities to have accidents. Last but not least, if they do have accidents, again, yes, your your words are very are very wise counsel. It's not that big of a deal. It happens. It happens repeatedly with uh, many dogs, and it's just a part of the process. So keep your cool, clean it up with some enzymatic cleaner, and then uh, get back to your regimen and uh, stick with it. Be patient. Over time, you will be successful. So glad we got to talk about this today. I know it seems like kind of a weird topic <laughs> to be excited about, but I think people are really going to find a lot of value in this. Getting some expert tips is amazing. I so appreciate your time. Uh, well, I appreciate the time that you're giving me, Morgana, and uh, I hope uh, our listeners find it useful. 
and I hope that everybody is keeping an eye on our social media page, you know, pages, um, and visiting our website frequently and looking at all, all of our doggies uh, online profiles. And I hope you all give us a shout if you, if you see anybody online that um, interests you. We'd love for you to meet our dogs and we want them all to have wonderful homes. The website and our social media is very addicting. So if you have even, you know, a few minutes or if you have hours, we have so many things to look at. <laughs> yep. Yes, well, thanks again. Thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate it. That's the end of this episode, but stay tuned for more of The Heart of Rescue with NMDR. Visit our website at nmdr.org to see our adoptable dogs and follow us on your favorite social media platform to see what's going on with National Mill Dog Rescue every day. Stay well and thank you for liking and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Bye for now.